0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: And, you know, I was thinking about it, thinking about it for a year, and it's just one of those things that I've never been obsessed about anything in my life as much as about this. Uh, And so I started farm together in 2018 as a way to really as the story goes for a lot of founders to solve my own problem as a professional personal investor to make it easy to invest in farmland and then by the extension to also bring capital especially creative capital to farmers landowners that goes beyond just traditional you know mortgage type product
2: hello and welcome to episode 93 of the farm traveler podcast i am your host trevor williams and today on the show, we are interviewing the founder and CEO of Farm Together, Artem Milinchuk. So, Farm Together is a wonderful online platform that enables users to invest in farmland throughout the United States. So, we've covered farmland investing a couple of times previously on the show, but Farm Together kind of does it differently. They are available not in just certain areas around the US, they actually provide investment opportunities for farmland across the continental US, which is phenomenal. And you can invest in crops like soybeans and other row crops to more specialty crops like apple orchards and stuff like that. And there's like a minimum 10-year um, investment opportunity with Farm Together, and they have high returns, higher returns than the stock market, which was very interesting and so artem and i are going to talk about the whole farmland investing process um, how it's a safer bet than typical stocks and we're going to talk a little bit about the whole gamestop saga and how that's kind of throwing a wrench in the whole stock market and stuff like that so this was such a fun interview talking with artem and learning more about farm together and actually cool little info this episode is also sponsored by Farm Together, so they sponsored this whole episode, this whole series about uh, you know trying to get the, mess, the word out about them and helping people learn more about the safety of uh, farmland investing. Which of course, when it comes to any sort of investing, there's going to be some sort of risk. But as opposed to the stock market and other investments, Farm Together and farmland investing is a pretty decent bet because the thing is. We're always going to need farms. We're always going to need food. So, you know, farmland investing is a pretty good option. So, um, yeah, I hope you're enjoying this. I'm so excited we've made it to 93 episodes, which, you know, seven more and we'll be at the big 100. Uh, Can't wait for, you know, seven more episodes and however many more episodes we have in the future. If you enjoy this episode, check out our website. It's thefarmtraveler.com. Check us out on Instagram. Instagram facebook we actually just hit over a thousand followers on our instagram page which is phenomenal so thank you all so much for following us you know if you're not already following us on instagram how could you no i kid but if you're not our instagram handle is just at farm underscore traveler um and yeah you'll find us there we're on facebook too we're basically all over the interwebs uh so yeah i hope you enjoy this episode with farm together so Allie and I bought a house a few months ago, but once we get up our financial savings again, we're going to look in the farm together and see how it goes. So yeah, enjoy this episode 93 with Artem Milichuk from Farm Together. All right, well, Artem Milichuk from Farm Together, welcome to Farm Traveler Podcast. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks, Trevor. Good to be on your podcast. Well, thank you. I'm excited to talk with you. So, you're with Farm Together, which is um, a farmland investing company. And kind of before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, and kind of how you started Farm Together.
1: Yeah. So, uh, as you can tell by my name, uh, I I hold from Eastern Europe, from Russia, uh, born and raised there, and I moved to North America in 2007, and then uh, was Canada, and then United States in 2016, drawn largely by you know the never dying relentless entrepreneurial spirit, whether, you know, we talk about the frontier, whether we talk about people who came here, you know, and through Homestead Act, got the farm, so it's uh, kind of same, same thing has been driving a lot of people, and I was caught by the, the winds of the promise that the U.S. is, so really excited to be here, and, you know, thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, I, I uh, uh, kind of, my, my story with, with farmland is, um, you know, a little bit of a uh, sort of lucky story, where Financially, so professionally, I've been in finance for 10 years before starting Farm Together, and you know the first deals, the first files that was put on would be food companies, and then you know as as it goes, they'd be like, well now you're the kind of the food and farming guy, <laughs> and you sort of get put into that. But I've, I've enjoyed the space tremendously. I think the people are wonderful. I think it's really great to work on something that is, you know, so fundamental to what we need to live, and it's it's never changing, right? Um, Fats come and go. You know, crypto today is hot, is something else will be hot tomorrow. And you know, then wheat stocks, GameStop, <laughs> Tesla. But farmland food is always there, always present. Uh, and then personally, you know, it's um, kind of a bit of the time I was growing up. So for you know, all the listeners, I remember Soviet Union and uh, when that collapsed, we had, well, even before it collapsed, but it was really a very scarce food situation for a number of years. And so we all had this little plots of land that we used to work, and it didn't matter if you were, you know, a factory worker or a PhD. <laughs> you actually, everyone knew how to farm. And yeah. so I used to work every year in the summer on my grandparents' little plot, planting potatoes and tending to the chickens. And then we we ate that during the winters because you know we didn't have much else. There was not like a, a safe way of Walmart. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just something uh, I think really nice: the thought of being able to own farmland that speaks to me.
2: Yeah. I, I, so I've started to dabble a little bit when it comes to investing. I mean, it's been weird watching all this GameStop stuff. Um, but a few, a few months ago, I really honestly had no idea that investing in farmland was a thing. But I mean, it's such a good idea because it's always going to be one of those, I guess you could say safe bets, because it's always going to be there. We're al- always going to need food. We're always going to have farmland. And so, I mean, what really inspired you to kind of start and create farm together? Because I mean, it seems like a great investment platform. And so what kind of inspired you?
1: So this was around 2015, 16. And I was at the time in Toronto working for Ontario Teachers' Pension Plan, which is a huge institution, but it caters solely to the teachers and retired teachers of the Ontario province of Canada. It's only a few hundred thousand constituents, but the assets under management, uh, something like 200 billion Canadian dollars now. It is huge. The Ontario (laughs) Teachers do very well in retirement. Uh, they take care of them. Uh, and so this fund, by the nature of its size, as well as by the, um, um, the changing demographics of its constituents, which is actually the problem that every single pension fund faces right now, had to venture outside of what, you know, a traditional save investing into bonds, into stocks, and then alternatives and everything else. And so when I was there, they were invested into a lot of things, in, into infrastructure, timber, but they still didn't have a massive presence in farmland. And that just blew my mind because it is such a big market. It is such a vital piece of our lives. So naturally it should be also a vital piece of one's portfolio. Um, And uh, at the same time, I wanted to invest in farmland. I started to have a little bit of savings and I couldn't do it personally either, but I had a different problem where there just were not enough retail facing options. And so I just couldn't stop thinking about it because here was this massive industry, um, again, absolutely critical to our very survival. And it's defining of us as a civilization. Civilization really started when we invented agriculture. And yet it was so hard to invest and so hard to kind of connect capital to farmers and landowners as well. And, you know, I was thinking about it, thinking about it for a year. And it's just one of those things that I've never been obsessed about anything in my life as much as about this. Uh, and so I started Farm Together in 2018 as a way to really, as the story goes for a lot of founders, to solve my own problem as a professional, personal investor, to make it easy to invest in farmland, and then by the extension to also bring capital, especially creative capital, to
2: farmers, and landowners that goes beyond just traditional, you know, mortgage type product. Right. So you found something that you were interested in and you wanted to do it, and then you also wanted people to have this opportunity to invest in farmland. And so... I mean, how does how does investing in farmland differ from normal stocks or real estate or something like that? I mean, I know with stocks and real estate, it's there's a lot of risk. So, is there a lot of risk with investing in farmland as well?
1: So, uh, one, there's not a lot of risk based on history, at least when we look at the performance of the NCREIF farmland index since 1992. The volatility there, which is you know one measure of risk, has been less than seven percent, which is way lower than stocks than publicly traded real estate, a little bit higher than bonds, but not that much. And then if we look at another measure of risk, which is, can I lose my principal? Can I lose my capital? Were there periods where my value of my investments was lower than the amount I put in? Which is I think how a lot of us naturally think about risk, right? It's like, how much money can I lose? Of? Yeah. Uh, when, uh, um, the n formal Index had only, I believe, three quarters of negative returns. Oh, since 1992, so this is almost 30 years we're talking about. Uh, And those negative returns were very low, like maybe very small, minus 1%, minus 0.1%. Farmland performed incredibly well in this financial crisis. It was flat to up where everything was down, you know, 30, 40% in Q1. And Farmland was up 23% in the last financial crisis in 2008-9, so incredibly resilient market. And the way it works, Trevor, is You can think of farmland in a lot of ways like real estate, although it's not quite the same. There's a little bit of infrastructure, a little bit of timber, a little bit of social infrastructure in this asset class. But broadly, uh, there's two ways to make money. One is you buy land and rent it out to a farmer. And that's very common. 40% of farmland today is rented already. So we're not inventing anything new. Uh, And then you collect a cash rent or it can be cash rent plus a percentage of revenue. And then the second approach Uh, which is more prevalent in the permanent crop space. The first one is in raw crops and corn, soybean, permanent crops is your tree nuts, your, you know, your apples. Um, Those typically require more of a direct operated model, or at least an involved long-term lease, because you need um, the farmers to really care about the health of the trees long-term. Whereas, you know, if you're just renting Mm -hmm. out a piece of dirt, you kind of plant it, you collect it, gone next, right? (laughs) Um, And so the, Profit and the income there comes from the actual PL, profit and loss of the farm, where you are running a whole budget and an operating business essentially, uh, but by a third party farmer who's experienced, know this well, um, and uh, you collect that income. And those returns are typically higher. So, you know, the net uh, returns annualized on raw crops would be like seven, eight percent. Whereas on permanent crops, you can get 10, 11, 12 percent and really attractive cash yield, especially. If you do development, you can have 10, 20% sometimes and more cash in certain years. So it's a really good cash flow product.
2: Okay. It sounds like it would work for people that are looking to invest in both, whether that's for a year they want to get their return back or somebody that's looking for a return 20, 30 years down the road. I mean, is that kind of true?
1: That is true. Most of our deals right now are 10-year hold. Farmland is not a short-term investment. You should think about the long-term. um and then we are looking into introducing even longer hold periods because um, what we see right now is that a lot of our farms go through development and then projected in the future years to have really attractive cash flow. But then we are like forced to sell them because you know the hold period is the hold period. And we have now more and more investors asking, you know, I want to, I'm in my 30s, I wanna put this, I want to have this for the next 30, 40 years, maybe pass it on to my kids, grandkids. Like, why can't this be a perpetual hole, like, because nothing's really going to happen to it, right? The only thing to really think about is climate and water. But if we look at places in like Illinois, right, prime farmland, it's been farming for 100 years. It's likely going to be farming for another 100 years. Like, Why sell a good thing? <laughs> and it's not yeah, that easy true. to buy a good farm either. Like, we go to tremendous lengths to find good deals.
2: Yeah. What exactly goes into your search criteria as you're trying to find farms that investors can invest in with farm together? So what kind of goes into that research you do whenever you're looking for farms?
1: There's a lot. I mean, our internal checklist is almost 200 steps. But to to run you through it, um, it starts with the macro situation. And uh, we look at uh, sort of the large things such as interest rates, trade environment, inflation, uh, climate, and the and product market for a particular farm. So if we're investing in almonds, what do we think the global almond market will do? Because farmland produces commodities, oftentimes it's a global market. Um, So that allows us to set the stage and kind of pick our uh, target markets. Um, For example, right now we are uh, somewhat trepidatious to look at dairy because there's been so many headwinds and uh, it's been a tough market and we don't touch livestock right now because, well, A, it's more complex in some ways, and then B, there's a lot of uncertainties right now around um, uh, the livestock market. So we deal strictly in permanent and uh, crops. Once we kind of get that initial macro uh, view um, squared away, we then look at a particular region and yeah. one, you can't get away from California because it produces half of our fruits and vegetables, 80% of peanuts. Um, and so in California, you have to look at water. Uh, there is a, and if you do water right, you could be really well off. If you do it wrong, you could be in a lot of trouble. So we spend a lot of time underwriting water well. Uh, and then there's a lot of you know, things that are done at farm level. It's due diligence of soil, of the, uh, the tissue, the, uh, um, the capex improvements, if there's needed some like irrigation. We do due diligence from the operator, looking at the track record, checking references, Um, and um, uh, then there's also a lot of legal paperwork that we really streamline for the investors, for ourselves. Because one thing we wanna do is um, to also use a lot of technology to make it easier for us to find, invest, manage a farm, and then we can pass on those savings to the investors and to the farmers. Because right now it's a very, um, you know, uh, kind of inefficient and somewhat opaque market in a lot of ways. There's no like Zillow or MLS for farmland. There's no Bloomberg for farmland. Uh, and
2: so a lot of times it's about finding information. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. So for investors, this is really giving them kind of a higher profit, safer bet as opposed to real estate and um, traditional stocks. How exactly is this helping out farmers in the long term? I mean, is it giving them cash where they can grow their operations? So how exactly is that helping out the farmer?
1: So um, right now we have uh, found one really strong use case, and there's many more that we're kind of conceived. You know, just um, you know, we're only three years old, so give us some time. But uh, <laughs> the um, the main use case we found is for farmers who are uh, kind of professionalizing their business. Often times, it's kind of the next generation, but the average age of farmers approaching sixty. A lot of farmers are retiring, and a lot of kids don't want to farm. But the kids that do stay back uh, are gonna do really well, I think. Uh, and so in this cases, a lot of the times it's about the farmers uh, finding land that they know is for sale and then us buying it, and also financing the, either the development or renting it out to the farm who brought it to us. That the, for farmers, um, it's really very creative capital because we can structure things in a lot of different ways. Uh, sometimes the farmers, um, so as an example, we are working with uh, Oregon Hazelnut farmers. We buy the land, Um, we uh, sometimes put capital for development, sometimes the farmer will develop it. And then in eight to 10 years, they will buy it back from us at a predetermined price. Uh, And then they get to also collect the revenue from the farm. So it's kind of a fixed rent plus a revenue share. And that's that's really attractive for us because the returns on those are net 10%, which I think is with very low risk, quite attractive versus the alternatives we just described. And for the farmers, it's them not, not having to invest, you know, two, $3 million into the land that then doesn't do anything. And actually being able to spend that money to develop uh, the property, to do another property with us and another. So that you can scale your equipment, your knowledge base, right? Your your people over large larger acreage by going down this route. Um, another um, approach is working with uh, farmers that want to do organic conversion, high risk. Business, So we finance that and we buy land and we're um, to organic. Um, sometimes it's more of a, a easier buyer. Like we have been an incredibly good buyer. We're very quick, very transparent. Uh, so we've been working now successfully several estates where farmer passed away. Um, the land is in a state that's for sale. Uh, Their kids don't want to continue farming. And you know the state, kind of trustees found it hard to actually sell it there's a lot of complexities and maybe with a deal so we come in and we will deal with all those complexities and then buy it at still a really good price save them on the broker fees as well so we found that to be really successful and you know at the end of the day i think like if any of the farmers listening reach out to us we'll, we'll figure out a way like come to us with your problems what are you looking to do let us work with you because we're a startup we're excited to be in this space and we are very creative in thinking how we can solve a particular
2: problem and particular capital needs. Right. That's awesome. That's really good to hear. And you brought up um, something talking about organic farming. I mean, is there really a push for the the, um, the sites are buying to be regenerative, to focus on sustainability? I mean, are there any instances there where you're wanting the farmers that are working on that land to be a little bit more sustainable?
1: Uh, yes. There's a huge push both from the planet, from the, uh, but also from our investors. Uh, a lot of our investors, um, both in Farmland as well as Farm Together Inc., the parent company, uh, invest because they want strong uh, kind of triple P returns, like planet people profit. They want sustainability, both uh, met as well. So one thing to mention, we uh, just recently announced that we joined a new standard called Leading Harvest. It's a US standard uh, created by the farmland investment industry that holds ourselves accountable to third party, auditable, verifiable goals around sustainability. So we committed to 100% of our farms reaching that in three years. So we do push for that. Secondly, um, the farmers themselves oftentimes see that uh, there is higher returns and more differentiated business to be had if you farm organically, sustainably, regeneratively. There's now new labels emerging. Uh, There's companies that want to pay you for your carbon, for carbon credits. So there's definitely a business case to be done, which it should be, right? Farmers are not necessarily like you know making millions of Wall Street. You know, this is this is people running uh, high-risk businesses. Um, so uh, overall, yeah, there's both a, a push for, from everyone. Honestly, it's it's the main bottleneck is just the skill set, the time it takes, the knowledge base. Especially regenerative is still early. There's not enough tools, not enough best established practices. Um, so that's a big part of our mission is to drive regenerative agriculture.
2: Gotcha. That sounds good. So going off of that, what's the, has COVID-19 kind of impacted it at all? I mean, people have been getting, um, we've been getting, you know, checks in the mail from the government to help all during that time. So it's been a weird time financially. So have you had any impact on farm together from the whole COVID pandemic stemming back from like
1: 2019? Um, So on the farms themselves, uh on the value we have not seen uh, any negative impact and in fact the values keep going up we just so you know, especially in, in corn soybean the prices are going up like crazy uh in other markets as well we did see some short-term uh pressure on uh, like almond prices the logistics uh have been impacted by COVID. um the reports the in san francisco la was slower uh you know there's been some uh kind of issues there so overall uh, um also almonds are like a snack that's used in travel and in hospitality so industry hit the most by pandemic so definitely some some sectors have had a short-term hit but you know what happens in farming then typically is that some farms will kind of go do something else you kind of it balances out eventually right Um, and our farms are always in strong water districts so we we don't feel kind of a a pressure Mm then. But yeah, definitely have seen some short-term hits to the pricing um, in some of the farms, but th- those prices are on strong recovery path right now. And then on the demand side by investors, we've seen just an avalanche of demand for safe, stable assets. Inflation um, is something people are worried about quite a bit and farmland is a great inflation hedge. So we've seen, um, you know, I can't tell you the numbers, but we've grown by you know, not percentage points, but like factors of X. <laughs> Oh year. wow, that's awesome! We've grown significantly. I mean, it's been hard to manage at times, but I think we've done a good job overall. So we have you know hundreds of investors now and dozens uh, of uh, projects and opportunities and, and plots.
2: Do you think this will lead to kind of more long term investments with farming because of the pandemic? Like people want a safer um, investment, no matter what might happen.
1: Absolutely. I think um, same as with 2008 crisis, you know, you get a new generation that thinks stocks only go up and uh, forget what volatility is. And then this happens. So we, we have a lot of people that um, kind of newly converted, but also a lot of our clients are actually older. So they've gone through a few of these cycles and they value stability, they value uh, diversification. Um, so seen a lot of different uh client personas that have invested and um, you have tech people that want to diversify from, you know, high risk, high reward, career and portfolio, to something that's like stable. Um, we have people who are farmers who just firsthand know that this is a good investment and they ask a lot of good questions and they have, you know, specific areas that they like in regions. Um, you know, there's you know, all, all kinds of, there's retirees, there's younger people investing. Um, definitely diverse set of investors.
2: I can imagine. Um... So, I mean, you kind of just said a minute ago with technology. I mean, there's been this whole, this huge boom with Silicon Valley and all these tech startups like you guys, where I think the merger of technology and agriculture has kind of been at the forefront. And so do you see potential um, tech investments with things like Farm Together, where you can invest in not only farmland, but you can invest in kind of emerging technology in the ag industry?
1: I don't think so. I think it's a very different business. But mm-hmm. um, We are excited about the technology that is something new coming every year and we uh, do have a um, plan to actively help farmers on our farms adopt the technology, because when you look at it, it's still like a pre-iPhone, if you will, (laughs) situation. (laughs) Um, There'd be like a hundred different providers. How do you choose which ones to work with? How do they all talk to each other? What's the return on capital? Uh, What are the risks? Do I need this? Um, and so what we'd like to do is to be a center of excellence and expertise for our farmers so that they can come to us and say, like, hey, guys, can you just recommend us like the best solution and help us negotiate the best price? And so I think as we grow and we grow on scale, we also will start having some pool with the tax suppliers, with input providers uh, to also help the farmers working you know, on, on farm together farms uh, earn a little bit more through that
2: kind of scale. Gotcha. All right. So. Um, going off a little bit, for anybody, what kind of advice would you give for anybody that might be looking to um, invest in farmland for the first time with you guys? I mean, what are some factors that they should research? Um, what are kind of the beginning steps working with you guys? So what kind of advice do you have there?
1: Yeah, so um, the first step would be to go to a learning center at farmtogether.com. We have a lot of um, easy to to kind of understand one-on-one, so thinking about farmland. We have a few white papers. We have a risk paper describing the risks of investing in farmland. Um, And then uh, secondly, listen to some webinars uh, that we do uh, for our deals as well as for our partners where you can also ask questions. Um, uh, Those webinars typically focus on a specific deal. And uh, it's a very kind of clear to follow format where we talk about the market, how do we find the deal? How does the deal generate revenue? I think that's the easiest is to look at actual deals and check them out. you can also always schedule calls with us, email us at info at farmtogether.com reply to every email. Our goal is to hit you know, 24, 48 hours for response to every investor. Um, schedule calls with us again. Um, then maybe, you know once you're ready, put a little bit of money because nothing bits the real thing. Um, and see how it performs. We aim to provide at least annual updates and hopefully in the future also quarterly updates. Um, um, but, you know, technically and uh, sort of logistically, it's very easy. You can register in a matter of minutes. You can invest in a matter of minutes, linking your bank account, signing documents, sending your tax documents, looking at your
2: investment. All of that is done online electronically. Gotcha. Now, what what about um, farmers that might be looking to get people to invest in their land? Mm-hmm. What kind of advice would you give them?
1: Um, yeah, that's a, you know, a great question. And one is reach out to us. Maybe we can work together. Um, but if you want to do it yourselves, it's... Um, I think most important is to just have a clear historical information uh, of how the farm has performed, a clear uh, plan going forward, and it doesn't need to be too complicated, right? It can be quite high level, but for an investor, they're not going to be able to really analyze whether you know this many tons of fertilizer is the right amount here. Um, so it's just being able to trust you. And so initially, it might be easier if you do like a revenue share or a rental model, say a lease back we jump maybe into profit share or something more complicated um but yeah i think um it's very in a way it's kind of it's simple not easy but it is simple because really what you're investing in is a productive piece of soil or an orchard that very clearly grows stuff that everyone needs and it sells that stuff and your question is for how much how much stuff will it produce and how, how much will it sell really that's what it comes down to and then, if it's a profit share, you know how many, how much money does it take to grow this? And so, if you can get comfortable, understand those three factors, um, get comfortable around the market. You know, are people going to stop eating almonds? No, they've been eating almonds for five thousand years. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, so um, then you, you can easily invest. And for the farmers, I think they'll be able to really turbocharge their business because there's so much value in the actual land that, that they own. And how they can leverage it in different ways. And even more so, actually, you know, I would say the only thing more valuable than land is the farmer. And that's why we always want to do right by the farm because you know, talking about risks, land has indeed a lot of inherent value. But one case in which it doesn't have value, well, besides water, is there's no one to farm it. And so the farmers, I think, have this tremendous skill set and experience that is so leverageable, scalable across many acres, right? They could be farming so much more around them. And so I think that's what we'll see is somewhat consolidation of farming because the the, the retirement uh, kind of this gap is real and there's way few farms that we'll have in the future. But the ones that we will have just by the virtue of supply demand, right? I think we'll do really well. I wanna say Jim Rogers or Warren Buffett said like farmer will be the new you know tech job of the 21st century, the new finance job. So <laughs> don't quote me on that, but uh, definitely <laughs> Like when I look at the opportunities and the farmers we work with that kind of do it professionally and uh, thoughtfully,
2: I mean, there's, I think, a lot of money to be made. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, I mean, what might work in Illinois might not work here in Florida. And so those farmers are going to know that because they usually have decades of experience. There's so much technology in there. And talking about your, your supply and demand point. I mean, when you're investing in farmland, you're investing in something that's always going to be in demand because people are always going to want to eat. They're always going to want food, obviously. Um, And so you're investing in something that is always going to be in demand. And sometimes the supply might be a little low. So the cost is going to go up or the price might go up. And so the demand's always going to be there. And so it seems like it is a really safe investment. And I mean, those farmers know the inputs that they need. They know the crop. They know the farmland. And I mean, it's not going to be something like a GameStop, for example, where you have people on Reddit influence um, kind of how crops are grown. So it's going to be a lot safer of a bet.
1: Yeah. And you know, um, the unfortunate equation is that we have decreasing supply of farmland. About 15 mm-hmm. million acres was lost in the United States alone from 2012 to 2017, which is you know, more than twice the size of the state of Massachusetts. Um, we have growing population that's projected to reach you know, 9, 10 billion by 2050 and on. So we have less land uh, that needs to feed more people and not just feed, right? We're not talking, you know, let's just put some protein bar like you know that movie, what was it? Uh, Snow Snowbreaker, you know, with, uh, where there's like a train, anyway.
2: Oh, <laughs> um, oh Snowpiercer, yeah, where Snow they Pierce, make, like, like a bug bar
1: or something A bug else. bar out of protein, right? Yeah, good, yeah. Movie, good movie, good movie. So we, we don't want that, we want people to eat healthy. We want to eat a diverse diet. And there's still not just more people, but improving diets. Even in the United States, we have food deserts, right? Um, some of the food that we grow, I mean, even when you eat organic, you can just taste that it tastes better, right? Like you feel that. Uh, and but organic food has lower yields per acre. So if we want to truly feed everyone healthily, all 9 billion people, the way that you know the top 1% eats, that has a lot of food that needs to be grown. And so farmland, um, I think is um, uh, really really the demand supplies there. And then right now in places like Africa, Brazil, they burn down forests to plant, which is then you know uh, screws up the, the carbon capture equation. And then if we, we need farming to also start becoming carbon sink. So yeah, the the humble, the humble piece of land has a lot riding on it in the next 30 years. Um, and I think people who invest in it and
2: support that will do well. Yeah, that's a very good point. So um, is this just available in the US? Are there future opportunities to invest kind of outside the continental US? What's going on there?
1: International investors may not get invest as well.
2: Okay, that's awesome. Um, So do you see something like this kind of happening around the world where say, I'm in Florida, I want to invest in some farmland in Mongolia or somewhere? Do you see that as kind of the future too?
1: Um, I think so. Um, you know, farmland is a very sensitive topic for a lot of countries. Uh, it's a point of national sovereignty. Um, so in the U.S., you know, the U.S. is very protective of its farmers, of its farmland. Um, so I would say overall, yes. And we are, uh, as our long-term kind of ambition is to be global, to let people invest uh, in, in Australia, in Canada, in Mexico, which I think would be slightly better than Mongolia. <laughs> no, no <Yes>. offense, Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I think that um, it, it will see more of that kind of creative capital flowing to farmer because right now it's, I mean, farmers lose out so much, not just in, you know, the land investment itself, but in, in invoice financings, in working capital financing, in the price they get for it. There's a lot of, I think, money being lost in the process, even in the payments. I mean, right now there's still a lot of like paper checks flowing around and things can take 30, 60, 90 days to clear.
2: Um so, I think there's just a, a wealth of work to be done. Yeah, I can imagine a lot of ways to kind of improve the system. And I mean, it sounds like Farm Together is one of those ways to improve it. Um, well, Artem, this has been phenomenal learning about you guys Thank at you. Farm Together. If people want to learn more, where can they go to learn more about you and Farm Together and kind of how your farmland investing works?
1: FarmTogether.com best resource. Our team put a lot of effort uh, into it. Uh, info at farmtogether.com to get in touch with us directly
2: gotcha all right well best of luck with farm together um as soon as my wife and i we just bought a house so as soon as we have up some more savings we're going to look at farm together and see how that goes (laughs) thank you absolutely and and congratulations on the house well thank you appreciate it appreciate it yeah we'll we'll be in touch and thanks again for being on thank you Trevor.
0: Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.